Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blood of wicked proportions, an accidental company. Hey everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode Number 5 of the At TSN Hockey Bobcast. This one for Friday, November 23rd, 2018. It's the Black Friday edition of the Bobcast. And in honor of Black Friday, today's Bobcast is 60% off the normal price. Well, it's actually always free, but it just seemed like the Black Friday thing to do. I mean, it is the U.S. Thanksgiving edition of the Bobcast as well. So happy Thanksgiving, by the way, to our many friends in the United States. And, and more on that in a moment as I talk about how I may be getting deported for being such a big fan of U.S. Thanksgiving. I guess this could also be called the Fire Your Coach edition of the Bobcast. It was a really tough week for NHL head coaches. Just ask Mike Yo in St. Louis. Todd McClellan's out in Edmonton. They joined Joel Quenville on the sidelines. Uh, Craig Berube and Ken Hitchcock uh, come on down. Um, this is also the last edition of the Bobcast. Before we find out the fate of William Nylander, the lone restricted free agent still out there. And, um, I mean, wouldn't it be something if the Nylander signing, or maybe even a trade, happened in real time during this taping of the Bobcast? And actually, if you want to know the, the God's honest truth, no, I would not enjoy that. In fact, I just finished doing Leaf's Lunch, talking about Nylander. I just finished a bit of a tweet storm um, before that, because... Um, everybody knows the deadline for Nylander signing a contract to be eligible to play in the NHL this season with Toronto or any other team is Saturday, December 1st, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so until then, uh, all of us so-called insiders uh, will be very nervous, overreacting to every little thing. And, and, and this was a day, a case in point for that nervousness. I don't want to say overreaction, but, there's been a lot of buzz here lately. I mean, Mike Babcock started the ball rolling yesterday when he, he made some comments about getting Nylander back in the lineup and everybody took that to mean, oh, Mike knows something. I think Mike was probably A, wishful thinking, B, wanting it to become a self-fulfilling prophecy and putting pressure on Nylander, his agent, and Kyle Dubas to, um, to maybe get a deal done. Um, and then Mark Savard, who's doing some work over on the Fan 590 radio station in Toronto, tweeted out on Thursday night that he hears it's going to be for $6.9 million AAV, and people got excited by that. And then the best of all was the Columbus Blue Jacket fan who saw Kyle Dubas outside the rink in Columbus, where the Leafs are playing tonight, of course, got his picture taken with Dubas, and then tweeted out the picture and basically said, I asked Dubas what's, what's happening, and he says there's going to be an update at 5 p.m. on the Nylander situation. Um, and that put pretty much everybody into panic mode. Um, here's, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I believe to be the case as of this moment. 12.51 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, November 23rd. I don't believe a deal has been done. I don't believe um, that there's an announcement in the works. I, I just tweeted this a, a while ago. I hate, hate, hate 
saying that sort of thing because literally 30 seconds or a minute after you say that or tweet it or post it, and by the time the Bobcast goes through its machinations to get posted today, who knows, maybe William Nylander signed. But as of this moment, there's not a deal in place. Um, and, and yet, since we're so close to the, 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 the deadline um, in the next week and a day, um, there's, you know, it's, it's bound to get done or not get done sooner or later. And so a lot of these false alarms, one of them is going to turn out to be the real McCoy. Um, so anyways, um, we will see what happens. And with any luck, though, this, this will be the last edition of the Bobcast where we have to talk about William Nylander hypotheticals. And, and we'll get into a little bit of that a little later on. Uh, first off, though, I would like to talk about what I guess I could call my great U.S. Thanksgiving Twitter caper or escapade. And I will confess up front, I am such an idiot. Uh, you know, I think most of you who know me know I almost never use Twitter anymore for any sort of fun or frivolity or horsing around with random observations from out of left field. Um, because I, I learned a long time ago that Twitter is just not the forum that you do that in. Um, even with the expanded character count, of 280 versus 140 there's I find there's never any real accurate way to convey a message without getting a ridiculously adverse over-the-top reaction from people who view everything through their own particular prism I've said this before I could just type good morning on Twitter and somebody would respond to me well it may be a good morning for you but it's not for me and and get really angry and vitriolic and i've learned that a long time ago yet dumb and dumber and that would be me and me um did exactly what i said i wouldn't do on thursday morning when i tweeted the following verbatim here it goes happy thanksgiving use the american flag emoji and a little turkey emoji single greatest holiday ever i have a really bad case of thanksgiving envy american thanksgiving is so much better than canadian thanksgiving the only Canadian holiday lamer than our Thanksgiving is Family Day. That is all. And then not long after that, I followed up with a secondary tweet because I wanted to make sure people knew I was, uh, what I was explaining. And I said, the solution is clear. Make the first Monday in October Family Day. Adapt the four-day late November weekend as our Thanksgiving too. Phone in sick for any Monday you like in February. That was to replace Family Day, of course. And then I hashtagged it, Synchronized Thanksgiving. Well, my God, the reaction. You would not believe. You would have thought that I burned a Canadian flag on Young Street or trashed Terry Fox or Tommy Douglas or some other great Canadian or I drop-kicked a beaver right over the Rideau Canal. The sampling of, men, of my mentions was unbelievable. Get the F out of here. Trump lover. Move. I got a lot of move. Why don't you move a lot? Of, and, and a lot of them came with um, descriptives afterwards, like move, asshole. I got stick to hockey. I got you're drunk. I got twat. Uh, I got piss off trader. I got you don't love your family. I've got I lost a lot of respect for you. I got lectured on the history of the Canadian harvest, the pilgrims treatment of the natives in America. I got treated to some great diatribes on current American socio-political happenings and even some really existential stuff on the true meaning of holidays and how we've all lost our way. Um, so like I said, I, I probably would like to make fun 
or mock some of those people who came in with what I think were just such over-the-top reactions to something that I, I, I thought it was like a little bit funny and frivolous. Um, but hey, listen, this one's all on me. I'm the dummy on this one. I violated my own Twitter rules, which pretty much goes like this. Just provide some decent hockey info or insight. Break the odd bit of news now and again. Promote or link our work at TSN Hockey. Um, maybe highlight the good work of others on Twitter. Help out when possible with some charitable endeavors. And, and of course, plug the hell out of my new book, my new book venture, Everyday Hockey Heroes, now available for 50% off on a Black Friday special, online or in-store at Indigo Chapters. Um, anyway, at the risk of getting completely run out of the country, let me do say, I love Canada. Love, love, love. There's not many more things Canadian than a guy named Bob McKenzie. But you know what? Last time I checked, it is okay to think that a four-day holiday in late November that really kicks off the festive family season right into the Christmas uh, holiday is better than a three-day holiday in early October where some people celebrated on Sunday, some people celebrated on Monday, so I guess what I'm saying is Thursday, Friday off is better than just Monday off. That four is better than three. I don't know. Is, is it that radical a thought? Anyways, since, since so many Canadians told me, you know, how much they treasure our Canadian Thanksgiving, when I run for office and I come up with the platform, I'm going to leave out the... Uh, the, the Canadian Thanksgiving uh, change. I'm going to leave Canadian Thanksgiving exactly where it is. But I'm sorry, I'm still looking to do something better than Family Day. Family Day, by the way, happens in February. The whole country doesn't get it. It's not a national holiday. I understand why we need a day off for a long weekend in February. Um, but I, I still think I could run on a platform of creating a four-day weekend in late November to coincide with U.S. Thanksgiving. And and why wouldn't we want that? We could all do like the Americans. It's not a sin to say you'll do something like the Americans. Um, so we're all going to go to the bar on this Wednesday night of family weekend. We're basically going to shut down the whole country, mostly, except for having a bunch of hockey games on the Thursday. We're going to go Black Friday shopping, although, you know what? Confess, a lot of you are already doing that. I mean, our... Our merchants recognize a good thing when they see it. They jumped on the Black Friday bandwagon. And there's people at Best Buy in Canada lining up politely to go in and buy their television sets. Um, and we're going to have a great four-day family weekend that then launches us into the festive Christmas season that makes us all feel so very warm and fuzzy and proud to be Canadians. So family day weekend in Canada. Vote for Bob. And finally, last Last thing on this, for those who told me that I don't know the true meaning of Thanksgiving, well, brothers and sisters, you could not be more wrong because trust me on this, there is not a morning that I get up or a night when I go to bed that I don't give silent thanks for my family and my friends and the lives we have. So know this, every day is Thanksgiving here at the Bobcast. All right, it's a busy, busy time of the year. Um, I could, or maybe I should break into, it's the most wonderful time of the year, terrible singer, um, which means, yes, it's, it's almost world junior season. This is also the last Bobcast 
before Canada announces the 30-something candidates uh, for this year's national junior team. Um, I guess the invitations are going to be publicly announced on, I believe, Monday, December 3rd. So that's a week this Monday. The final camp is scheduled to open Monday, December 10th in Victoria, and I will be there. I've never been to Victoria, and I'm very much looking forward to that. And um, the 22-man roster, the final roster for uh, Tim Hunter's uh, Canada's national junior team, I'm going to guess that it's announced on Saturday, December 15th or thereabouts. And the tournament, of course, starts on uh, Boxing Day, December 26th. Uh, If you didn't know it already, Team Canada games are all in Vancouver. Uh, Really looking forward to getting out uh, to Vancouver on Christmas night. And the, um, the, the other group that doesn't involve Canada, We'll play all their games out of Victoria. Um, the ticket sales are fantastic. Victoria side of the tournament, non-Canadian teams already completely sold out. Um, the Vancouver one is very close to being sold out. So let, let's, uh, in honor of that, and um, to give you some good uh, World Junior information, let's talk a little bit about this year's team and some of the players who uh, may be there for, uh, for head coach Tim Hunter. The sense I'm getting is that Hockey Canada will probably invite three goalies. It still could be four, I suppose, but it'll probably be three. And I think the first two are rather easy to identify. Um, First one is Michael DiPietro, the Vancouver prospect who plays for the Windsor Spitfires uh, in his last year of junior eligibility. Um, I don't think he's been quite as dominant this year as he has been some other junior years, but he's still, um, still considered a blue chip junior goaltender. Um, so I think he's definitely uh, going to be invited. And uh, and the other guy would be Ian Scott, uh, the, the so far unsigned Toronto Maple Leaf prospect from a couple of drafts ago, um, who's in his last year of junior eligibility and, and his numbers for the Prince Albert Raiders. Prince Albert Raiders, by the way, look like the dominant team. Well, they are the dominant team in the Western Hockey League, maybe all of Canada. The numbers they're putting up out there are just incredible. And Scott's got some really nice numbers there. So I would think DiPietro and Scott are absolute locks to be invited, and they could well be the tandem. Um, the third guy that, uh, that, that I think, based on his summer camp, based on how he's played over the course of this season, is Sault Ste. Marie goaltender Matthew Vallalta, um, draft pick of the LA Kings. But what a freaky thing here. Um, just prior to the uh, OHL, the week before um, the OHL games against the Russians um, that are used as part of the selection process, and Volatil was supposed to be uh, in one of those games, um, he got stepped on in the pregame warm-up out by center ice by a linesman and suffered a laceration to his leg. He's not back playing. I think he's been... He's been skating, but I'm not sure exactly what his status is going to be. So it's very much up in the air, and that's really unfortunate. What a freak way, a freakish way um, to get injured, to do your pregame stretch on the ice and a, a linesman inadvertently uh, trip over you and, and uh, a deep laceration to his leg. So that's tough. Olivier Rodrigue was the other uh, goaltender from the Quebec League who was there in the summer, so he'd be a possibility. Um, in any case, uh, Di Pietro and Scott seem to be the front runners, but if Volalta can be healthy in time for the beginning of that camp, healthy and playing, um, then he could easily be in the mix as well. Okay, let's move to the blue line here. Um, kind of an interesting uh, scenario. The, um, the 1999 born class, so that would be your last year junior eligibles, 
it's not a real strong year for 1990-born defensemen for Team Canada. Um, the premier guy of that group is Evan Bouchard, uh, the Edmonton Oiler first-rounder from this past 2018 NHL draft, who was, of course, returned to the London Knights. And, um, yeah, he's a star. I mean, he can run a power play. He can move a puck. Great passer of the puck. Great shot from the blue line. He's going to be, I think, the linchpin on this Canadian World Junior team. Um, no doubt he's invited, and no doubt in my mind he's going to be the number one defenseman on this team. Um, but if I was looking at the, the next guy who might supplement him as, as a high-end guy on the Team Canada blue line, I'd be looking at Noah Dobson, uh, the New York Islander first-round pick who plays in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Now, he's a 2000-born um, and, as I said, drafted by the Islanders in this most recent draft. And I think Bouchard and Dobson are going to be the, the, the top guys um, on Team Canada on the blue line. And they're both right-hand shots. Um, so I'm not sure what that means for pairings and what have you. But um, it's always... Uh, interesting to see whether an 18-year-old defenseman like Dobson um, can step up in that role at the World Juniors, a step up in competition against the best 19-year-olds in the world, and uh, and, and and whether or not Canada is going to have the depth on the blue line. Now, they got lots of good defensemen, lots of guys that uh, um, are interesting players. Um, the guys in the next tier after Bouchard and Dobson, who I suspect will get invited to the camp, would include uh, Ty Smith of the, uh, the Spokane Chiefs. Um, that's the New Jersey Devil first rounder, 17th overall in the most recent draft. And again, a, a 2000 birth year as opposed to the 1999. Um, and, and the nice thing about Smith is that I believe he's a left shot. Yes, he is a left shot. Um, so that's uh, that's helpful. And he's also got the ability to uh, to run a power play. Um, Ian Mitchell from the University of Denver, I believe, what is he, Chicago Blackhawk um, uh, draft pick. Uh, he's 99-born defenseman. I would suspect he'll get an invitation, as would uh, Josh Brook, um, who's been playing well in the, uh, the Western Hockey League this year. Uh, Brooke was invited to the uh, Hockey Canada summer camp but wasn't able to play because of injury. He's the Montreal Canadian prospect second rounder. Um, and uh, he's a, a 99 birth year. So um, those guys, Smith, Mitchell, Brooke, I, I can see all those guys um, locks to be invited. But uh, then it remains to be seen what happens competition-wise once they get to Victoria for the camp. Um, some other guys that I suspect will probably be on the radar to get invited or to be considered for it would be uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, a 99-born defenseman, uh, plays in the Quebec League, Arizona Coyotes first-round pick. Um, Nick Baudin, who is uh, also a 99-born um, defenseman, um, plays for Drummondville in the uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and he was Chicago's first rounder in in 2018 he's another late birthday like um, Evan Bouchard finds himself in his last year of uh, junior eligibility and and the good thing about Joseph and Baudin is that they're both left shots so that um, helps a little bit 
on that left side. Another guy in the same category, I want to double-check this, but Jared McIsaac, who, um, where are we here? There's Jared. Uh, yeah, Halifax, Mooseheads. Detroit first-rounder in uh, this most recent draft. He's also a left shot, and um, he's a 2000-born. So Joseph, Bodan, McIsaac uh, on the left side with Ty Smith, they're all candidates to uh, to get invited and to possibly be on this team. Bouchard, Dobson, Mitchell, Brooke are some of the guys on the right side. And there's still plenty of other guys under consideration. Uh, Jacob Berner-Docker at the uh, University of North Dakota, who's a, an, an Ottawa Senator pick. Uh, Kale and Addison from the uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes and uh, a Pittsburgh Penguin prospect. Um, uh, Marcus Phillips uh, plays for the Owen Sound Attack, um, L.A. King prospect. Um, he'd be in the mix. And I guess we can't talk about candidates without talking about Ryan Merkley. Uh, San Jose first-round pick, who uh, I think has really improved his game by leaps and bounds playing for the uh, the Guelph Storm this year. And when I say improved his game, he's a natural talent. We know he's a great offensive defenseman. Um, but there are incredible inconsistencies in his game. And I think he's even some of those out over the course of this year. But I still think on a lot of nights, there's some pretty wild fluctuations between his A game and uh, his B, C, and D game. And, uh, you know, gaining the trust of, of uh, coaches is a big, big part of playing for the world junior team and especially if you're an 18 year old as opposed to a 19 year old defenseman so i'll really be curious to see if merkley gets an invite to this camp or whether his inconsistency and the fact that he didn't look overly impressive in his games in the ohl versus russia series um, whether that impacts or not but uh, overall on the blue line i think there's some real question marks there for for team canada we'll see how it all shakes out when they get to victoria Let's move to the forward grouping. And you can't talk about the forwards without talking about the four junior eligible players that are currently in the National Hockey League uh, that may or may not be available to Team Canada. And when you want to have strength down the middle, uh, which Canada is going to need, I've had a lot of NHL scouts say to me, how do you think Canada is going to do against Team USA? Because Team USA is going to be fantastic this year. And, of course, the guy they cite is Jack Hughes, who's been tearing up things for the U.S. under-18 team and is going to be an uh, integral part of Team USA's um, complement and uh, potential number one dynamic center who should go number one overall in this year's draft. Canada wants to be able to match that with strength down the middle. And if they were to get all the junior-eligible players that are currently in the NHL loaned to them, they might be able to do that. Robert Thomas with the St. Louis Blues, Michael Rasmussen, uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, and Gabe Velarde um, with the LA Kings. So there's three pretty impressive centers. Now, I saw Thomas got his first NHL goal this past week. I don't think we should waste a lot of time figuring whether or not these guys are going to be loaned or not. I'll only say this about the dynamic of, of NHL teams loaning players. Uh, it doesn't matter what's happening right now, what the thought process might be right now. What matters is where these guys are at, at the time the decision has to be made. And keep in mind, for NHL players being loaned to Canada's national junior team, it's it's right at the freeze 
the week before Christmas, so like the 18th, 19th, whatever the official date is. Um, forget what it is this year. But that's when the last possible moment these guys could be loaned out. And if they're playing and playing well and playing significant minutes for their NHL team, they won't get loaned. It's as simple as that. But if they're not playing well and they're not playing significant minutes, and maybe if the team's not performing particularly well, then there's always a chance that one or more of these guys could be loaned out. Now, Velarde's a little different situation. Um, Velarde's not played a game this season in the National Hockey League or anywhere else. When last we saw Gabe Velarde, he was ripping apart the OHL in the regular season last year for the Guelph, uh, sorry, the Kingston Frontenacs. Um, after getting traded uh, at the deadline, the OHL deadline last year from Windsor to Kingston, Velarde just shredded the OHL um, upon his return and uh, was very good in the playoffs for the Kingston Frontenacs as well. Um, he had a reoccurrence of some lower back problems or some back problems that were plaguing him, and he had an off-season procedure that uh, kept him out of the Kings lineup uh, and not able to make a spirited bid to try and make their team. So he's been a non-roster player for the LA Kings. He's uh, He has, however, uh, been skating, practicing a lot, um, and I think the Kings are right now on the verge of getting ready to put him in Ontario of the American Hockey League on a conditioning stint. And how he fares during that conditioning stint uh, will determine what happens when it's over. And that could mean he could see games with the LA Kings in the National Hockey League if things were to go very well. Uh, could also mean that he gets returned to junior hockey, or it could mean that he could stay a member of the LA Kings and still be loaned out to Team Canada, to, to the national junior team. So how things go in the American Hockey League will dictate a lot on Gabe Velarde, but obviously they'd love to get that big body in the middle of the ice. Not the fastest skater in the world, but great hands, great playmaking ability, and uh, a very productive player. The other guy who's in the National Hockey League currently is Maxime Comtois. Uh, started like a house on fire with the uh, the Anaheim Ducks. I uh, think he shows 10 games played, two goals, uh, seven points or nine points um, in his first 10 games. Burned the first year of his entry-level contract, suffered a lower body injury, uh, has been rehabbing that, uh, was on a conditioning stint in the American League, uh, and is now getting very close to a decision having to be made on him to with this rehab of the injury to either be back in the Ducks lineup or go back to junior or stay a member of the Ducks and be loaned to Canada's national junior team. I think there's a uh, maybe a decent shot that Comtois could be had for Team Canada, and that would be a big boost because he played on the team last year, and you always want to get your returning players. Robert Thomas also played on the team last year, um, and it would be a given that they'd love to get Thomas, a returning player, or Rasmussen from Detroit, but uh, too early to say on those guys. But Comtois, I think there's a, a decent chance, but we'll see how things go with his rehab and what the Ducks end up doing. Okay, let's assume for a moment that Team Canada doesn't get Robert Thomas, they don't get Michael Rasmussen, they don't get Gabe Velarde, or even if they do, who, who's next in the pecking order? Well, I think it's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Cody Glass and Nick Suzuki, who were both first-round picks of the Vegas Golden Knights. And of course, Suzuki has since been traded to the Montreal Canadiens as part of the Max Pacioretty deal. Both these guys are in their final year of junior eligibility. A lot of people thought that Glass and or Suzuki might have made Team Canada as 18-year-old centers last year, but they didn't. 
Um, I got to think that they're locks to be invited to the camp, and they've got a really good chance to be on Canada's national junior team, even if Thomas or Rasmussen or Velarde or some combination thereof come into the mix. Suzuki can play the wing if he needs to. Um, so Glass and Suzuki for me are, are keepers. Um, beyond that, um, Barrett Hayton, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound, um, Arizona Coyote first round pick. He's only an 18 year old, um, but uh, real good two way center. I gotta believe he's a lock to, to at least get invited to the camp. And whether he makes the team or not might have a lot to do with Thomas Rasmussen and Velarde, but um, Hayton's a, a real good two way center. And beyond him, um, there's a lot of guys under consideration. Uh, Joe Valeno, um, who uh, was a Detroit Red Wing um, pick. Uh, Jack Studnika uh, from the Oshawa Generals. Studnika, of course, is a uh, Boston Bruin second-round pick, and Studnika's in his final year of junior eligibility. Morgan Frost, the Philadelphia Flyer first-rounder from a couple of years ago, he's in his final year of junior eligibility. And then there's uh, Shane Bowers, who was uh, part of that big Ottawa-Nashville-Colorado trade. Bowers is a sophomore at Boston University and, of course, is a, uh, uh, his rights belong to the, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. So all those guys figure prominently in the conversation to see who gets invited. And uh, um, obviously, I don't think Team Canada will hear anything imminently on Thomas Rasmussen or Velarde. So... Um, some of these other guys may get invited and then see where they're at, uh, depending on what NHL help comes down the pipe. On the left side, uh, Maxime Comtois is obviously a guy they would love to get and pencil in there. Alex Formanton uh, is a returning player. So uh, the Ottawa prospect who's back with the London Knights this season, he's a lock to make the team. They love his speed, how he can disrupt on the penalty kill. Uh, I think Jared Anderson Dolan, who plays for the Spokane Chiefs, the L.A. King, started the season on the L.A. King roster. Uh, he would most definitely be in the mix, but he suffered a broken wrist. And I'm not sure whether his injury status is going to allow him to be part of things. It could be a play at the plate for whether or not he's uh, available for the camp. Um, probably not available, but let's wait and see on Anderson Dolan. Uh, some of the other guys I thought played well in the uh, the CHL series against the Russians um, and are having good years that would warrant um, getting an invite to the camp. Uh, Columbus Blue Jacket first rounder Liam Foody from the London Knights. Like Formington, tremendous speed. Uh, maybe not prolific on the point front, but uh, again, can be very disruptive with his speed. Isaac Ratcliffe, the Philadelphia Flyers second round pick uh, who plays for the Guelph Storm. He's a big towering guy, plays the power forward game. He's got great hands, can shoot a puck, but he's also good and tight in front of the net. He's having a good season with Guelph, and I thought he played well against the Russians, so I would suspect he'll he'll earn an invite uh, to the camp. And then um, Alexi Lafreniere, um, who everybody's penciling in as the potential number one pick in the uh, the 2020 National Hockey League draft. Um, he's got the ability to play up and down your lineup um, and is putting up some real nice numbers in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this year for Ramuski. So um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get invited um, to the to the final camp. Not a guarantee, I think, that he's on the team, but certainly a chance uh, to play there. And then after that, there's all sorts of guys, uh, Condoir, um, Jody Bellreve, Ryan McLeod, amongst others, who are in the mix 
for spots on the left side. Over on the right side, um, Owen Tippett is, a, I think, a name we can pencil into being invited to camp. Um, there was a lot of controversy last year when he wasn't invited to the final evaluation camp. Florida Panther first-round pick um, who uh, plays for the Mississauga Steelheads. I think his game's really matured a lot in the past year. He's become more than a one-dimensional shooter. And uh, um, and Team Canada is going to need some guys that can put the puck in the net. And Tippett's got that ability. He's a one-shot, um, put it in the back of the net kind of guy. Um, after that, there's a ton of guys that are uh, in the mix for spots. Um, Ty DeLandria, the Dallas first-rounder who plays for the Flint um, Firebirds. Mackenzie Entwistle, who was traded from Arizona to Chicago um, from the uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, Sarah Noel with the uh, the Oshawa Generals. Um, all these guys are, are very much in the mix to be invited to uh, to camp. Maybe Raphael Lavoie, who's draft eligible this year, plays in Halifax um, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Um, but the the one guy, I guess, that I would say, along with Tippett, would seem to me to be a lock to be invited to uh, the World Junior Final Camp is Brett Leeson with the Prince Albert Raiders. You might have heard me talk about him on Insider Trading earlier or on the Bobcast as well. Uh, last time I checked, I think he's got 22 goals in 22 games for those juggernaut Prince Albert Raiders. And he's got a real chance to be this year's Drake Batherson. That is somebody who wasn't even on Hockey Canada's radar in the summer, but is very much there now. Um, Batherson, of course, was much the same. Made the team last year, scored some big goals for Team Canada. And um, Leeson could also be this year's Tanner Pearson. That is a guy that's been through two National Hockey League drafts, didn't get a sniff. Uh, and might sneak into the first round if he keeps putting up the numbers that he's putting up with uh, putting up for Prince Albert in the dub. Um, in any case, uh, Leeson's got to be on the list of guys that are invited. And I think he's if he keeps playing as well as he's been playing this season, uh, six foot four, two hundred pound winger that can score goals. Um, sign me up for that, uh, as they say. Anyway, you you never know how good or bad any Team Canada is going to be until they start to play together, and that's even after they make the final roster decisions. But my first blush look at this group is that they could really, really, really use some NHL help this year, and that uh, Bouchard and Dobson are going to be key cogs on the blue line. And I think this is a year where Canada is going to really need its goaltending to be top-notch. Anyway, so that's your Team Canada update. Um, I'm sure we'll revisit it on the next Bobcast edition, the Friday before camp begins. And I would imagine we'll also take a look at Team USA as we get closer um, to the actual event. Um, Remember the Bobcast, uh, truly Canadian, but equal opportunity, talking about Team Canada and Team USA. We are at the point in the Bobcast where we have to give the shout out to our sponsor, Untuck It. And um, even Chris from Canada, who does the show notes, wants to get in on the, uh, the, the dirty Untuck It limerick action. So Chris from Canada submitted the following. There once was a lad from Nantucket who, when he looked in his closet, said, F*** it. He knew nothing fit, and it all looked like so next time he'll buy from Untucket. Well, there you go. Uh, maybe we should do the uh, Man from Nantucket Untucket challenge 
and uh, if you have uh, a good limerick uh, that works for uh, untuck it um, by all means shoot it along to bobcast at bellmedia.ca um, but in any case as we like to say it's never a good look when you untuck a long bulky dress shirt and that's why untuck it makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked casual shirt that's not too long not too short untuck it shirts are a go-to for any occasion from casual to dressy Wear them to Canadian Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, Family Day, wherever. More than 50 sizing options. Anybody can find the perfect shirt. So go to untuckit.com and check out all the new fall arrivals. Use the promo code BOBCAST for 20% off your purchase. And by all means, go visit Untuckit at their brand new First Canadian Retail Store in Sherway Gardens in Etobicoke. Or shop online anywhere. Stop hiding that shirt with your pants and your pants with your shirt, go to untuckit.com, use the promo code BOBCAST, B-O-B-C-A-S-T, get 20% off, and untuck it. All right, let's get to some uh, questions and uh, listener mail. Uh, First one comes from Spencer. This is a really, really, really nice email from Spencer. Hello, Mr. McKenzie. I just wanted to send a quick thank you with a question to follow. I apologize in advance if this is long-winded. But as the holiday season approaches, I wanted to send this message which I have been thinking about for a long time. About four years ago, my family somewhat suddenly lost its patriarch. Just a short while before then, you were gracious enough to sign a copy of Hockey Confidential at the request of one of your TSN colleagues for either my grandfather's birthday or Christmas. It read, Len... To a True Blue Leafs fan, all the best. After my grandfather's passing, I quickly claimed this signed copy of your masterfully written book. Today this book is my greatest connection I have to the man who inspired my hockey fandom and playing life, and of course my love for the Maple Leafs. Admittedly, I have yet to finish the book, as I can't bring myself to read past where my papa left off, where his bookmark still sits untouched in its place. So I wanted to extend a deep personal thank you, providing me with a connection with the man who had a great part in shaping the person I am. My question to you is twofold. What hockey cliche makes you roll your eyes the most when a player is giving an interview? And do you think that players in hockey coverage would benefit from players taking public speaking courses? Thank you for your time, devotion to the game, and your work on the podcast. I understand if this is too long for the Bobcast, but I felt inclined to let you know how small your gesture has made such a profound emotional impact. Uh, Spencer, a student at Carleton University from Oakville, Ontario. P.S. Papa was a huge fan of yours. He loved the professionalism and integrity you brought to NHL coverage. Well, Spencer, um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, to you and your family for such a touching letter about um, what uh, the Hockey Confidential copy meant to your grandfather and now to, to you. And um, I think that's that's really special. And um, I'm glad that, you know, I, I tell a lot of people who when their father or their grandfather passes away, and I've experienced both of those things, that it gets better with time. And one of the things you find out is that they never really leave you. Um, that everything that they ever imparted to you stays with you and uh, they just continue to um, 
to be such a big part of your life, even after they uh, they would be gone from um, this mortal earth. So anyways, now as for your question, um, what hockey cliche makes me roll my eyes? I guess at, at the end of the day, it's it's uh, got to get pucks out, got to get pucks deep. But as I like to say, cliches are all rooted in truth. And if you're a coach, um, you damn well know that it's every player's job to get pucks out and get pucks deep. And uh, I don't know that players necessarily need to take public speaking courses because I think, honestly, they are all quite good at public speaking. They just don't want to say anything that's uh, that's going to offend. And I think more and more we get young players. A young guy like Patrick Laine, um is is very much a guy who, if you ask him a question, you're likely to get an unfiltered answer. You saw what he said about Fortnite and the Vancouver Canucks earlier in the year. Um, he's he's really hilarious, and I I find Finns are brutally honest a lot of the time. Uh, not to uh, not to stereotype, but uh, I think more and more young players will um, come into the game and maybe speak their mind a little bit. But for the ones who don't want to, I don't have a problem with that either. Um, the hockey culture is strong. I know people rail against that, um, but I think there's uh, also something cool about young players. Um, wanting to get comfortable in their surroundings before whatever works for them personally um, works for me. Uh, next question comes from Cameron Woolridge, and it also uh, is book related. Uh, hey, Bob, my question for this week's Bobcast is what has been your favorite part of meeting people and signing books so far? I know my experience with meeting you in Edmonton was awesome, and I'd love to hear some more stories from meeting fans and followers. Also happy to hear that it was okay that I chirped you on Twitter and was probably the only time I disagreed with you and decided I joke around a bit. Here's some pictures from my meeting with you. And sure enough, there's a nice picture of Cameron. Now get this. Cameron shows up to the West Edmonton Mall decked out in a Calgary Flames hat. So when I signed his book, I said Cameron to a Braves, a brave Flames fan in Edmonton and uh, signed that, his copy of Everyday Hockey Heroes, my new book that I've been plugging uh, mercilessly um, all over the place. Um, but to Cameron's question, um, it has been cool. I, I went to Calgary, um, Red Deer and Edmonton a couple of weeks ago and kind of uh, did a book signing in Calgary, stopped in Red Deer, did a book signing at the Walmart there, stopped by the chapter, signed all the stock, met the mayor of Red Deer. That was kind of cool. Um, went up to West Edmonton Mall and, and met all sorts of cool people. Since then, um, I've been to Barrie. I've been to Ajax, Peterborough and Belleville. I did all last Saturday, all in one day. Um, Tuesday night, we had an amazing book signing. Um, with the Kitchener Rangers um, at the Memorial Auditorium. Wednesday night, I was in London at the Costco. Um, and the only remaining signing on the schedule at this point is First Canadian Place, downtown Toronto at 12 noon, uh, a week today, actually. That would be uh, whatever it is, uh, Friday, November 30th. So anyways, if you get a chance to come out to any of the book signings or you get a chance to go to any of the Walmarts or Indigo chapters or Costco's where we have signed stock, um, by all means, do so. But um, to, to Cameron's question, um, there's, there's two um, meetings of people I had that stand out for me, um, aside from Cameron's, of course. Um, one was at the West Edmonton Mall. 
and there was uh, a woman there with a baby and the baby was in a stroller and the baby was definitely less than a year old. Um, and this woman, I believe she was from somewhere in Southeast Asia. I'm not quite sure where. Um, her English was just okay. She she didn't speak English real well. Um, and before getting in the line to actually come up and get a book signed, um, she talked to our very fine Simon & Schuster publicist, Catherine Whiteside, who was with us. And she explained to Catherine that she's new to Canada, that her son was born in Canada, and that she wanted to try to make sure that they, they become true Canadians and, and wanted to know more information on the book Everyday Hockey Heroes, which quite aside from the, the shameless self-promotion that I, that I do a lot of and, and laugh about, um, Everyday Hockey Heroes really is a book about diversity and it really is a book about different colored faces and different genders and, and something more than the homogenized view of hockey that, that has been so much a part of, of hockey's tradition. And I think the stories in Everyday Hockey Heroes, and I've said this before, they really do reinforce what I call traditional hockey values, but in many cases, in a, in a more untraditional sense because of many of the people who are telling their stories. Um, so anyways, um, th this woman v came up and she wanted me to sign this book to her little baby boy who was less than a year old. And she so desperately wants to make sure that he's a, he's a good Canadian. And, and I thought that was really, really, really touching um, for this woman to come to Canada, um, to have this baby and have a Canadian baby and, and so be so intent on how she goes about making sure that her, her baby gets the, the best of Canada. And it, it just really warmed my heart um, from the diversity point of view um, and that, that she would be so earnest about that desire of embracing all that is Canada and, and obviously what can be more Canadian at times than hockey. So that was one meeting that I had that really I found very touching. The other one happened at the Costco in Ajax last Saturday and there were two women there and the first woman wanted me to sign a book to her son who plays and I did my usual, you know, keep playing, have fun, good luck, all the best and Bob McKenzie. The other woman mentioned that um, her son was in a car accident on a way on, on a way to a game um, last March and I said, oh, I'm really sorry, is he okay? And she said, no, he passed away. Um, in the crash and uh, like even now my my heart breaks um, and and so this poor woman who was there and, and yet she was there and she wanted a, a copy of Everyday Hockey Heroes and she wanted me to make it out to her son who passed away in this car crash on his way to his game and um, it, it was it was so sad and yet there was so much write about what she was trying to do in the, in the memory of her son. And, and again, this is not shameless self-promotion or plugging at all, but the introduction of the book I wrote is very much along those themes of loss and, and what loss means. And um, because I was, I was kind of struggling, what was the jumping off point for the introduction or the forward for everyday hockey heroes? And I was, it, the week that I was 
I had to write it also happened to coincide with the week of the passing of Jonathan Petra, the butterfly child, and the, the horrific Humboldt Bronco um, bus tragedy. And so much of what I wrote in the forward or the introduction for this book is very much about that sense of overwhelming loss that we feel within the hockey community, how we respond to it. And, and that woman at the Costco Ajax who wanted me to sign a book for her son who passed away in a car crash on his way to his game. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure what to say other than that was a meeting that will stay with me for a, a really long time. And um, anyways, Cameron asked uh, what, what takeaways I had from the book signings, and um, that's what I got. Next question comes from, I believe it's Simon Richard or Simon Richard. Hi, Bob. I hope you're doing well. I've been a huge fan since day one of the Bobcast, and this is the first time I'm writing in. I'm 24 years old from Dieppe, New Brunswick, and I'm legally blind. I've played sighted hockey my whole life at different levels and loved the game for as long as I can remember. I'm also a current member of the Canadian Blind National Hockey Team, and I've always dreamed of working in hockey as a scout. My friends have always thought I have a great sense for the game and evaluating talent. I was wondering if you had any advice for how to get into hockey scouting with a pro or junior club. Thank you so much in advance and loving your great work. Keep it up. Have a great day. Simon Richard. Wow. Um, there's a lot of questions I have for you, Simon. I wish you were here to answer them. Um, a legally blind guy who plays sighted hockey. That's absolutely amazing. Um, and, and I commend you on being part of the Canadian Blind national hockey team. Um, when you say I've always dreamed of working in hockey as a scout, a lot of people, including myself, might at first blush say, well, wait a second, you're blind. How can you scout if you're blind? But obviously, being able to play sighted hockey um, does allow you to see the game at some level. And um, hey, why not? Uh, as for advice on how to get into hockey scouting with a pro or junior club, um, I would tell you what I would tell anybody who writes that, cited or not, um, how to go about it. And, and you've really got to start at the bottom and work your way up. And so I'm sure if you go to a pro club or a major junior club, they're going to be like, well, what scouting have you done in the past? Um, and you obviously have some um, unique qualities that may or may not work in your favor. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people with, associated with teams that say, well, wait a second, I thought you said you're blind. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the punchline to a joke. I hired a blind hockey scout. Um, next thing they'll do is make a, some off-color joke about, uh, would you like to go into refereeing? <laughs> but you get my point. In any case, you've obviously um, got the ability to, to, to make judgments. Um, so where you live in Dieppe, New Brunswick, um, try to find a, a, a junior t a junior B team, a junior C team, something in the area where you can go and explain to them, this is who I am. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. These are how I feel I can overcome my weaknesses. Um, you, you don't have to look at my, my sight or lack thereof as a handicap, I can, I can do this if you give me an opportunity and, and see what you can do and see what may or may not be available to you. 
Um, and so that's the, the best advice I could get. And it's fascinating that you, um, you talk about this because in Everyday Hockey Heroes, there are two chapters that you would be able to relate to. One is from Wayne St. Dennis, um, who tells the story, and, and now I, th- I believe Wayne's in his, his 50s now, um, and I think Wayne may or may not be, uh, I heard he may be able to come out to uh, the book signing at First Canadian Place next Friday. I really hope to meet him. But um, um, Wayne was like a, a, a teenager in Windsor when he started to lose his eyesight and became legally blind. And um, it was years later he got involved with the um, Toronto Ice Owls um, that, that plays in, in blind hockey tournaments and leagues. And um, his his chapter in the book is a first-person story uh, of how much being able to, you know, regain his ability to play hockey um, meant to him in his life. And um, fascinating story. The other chapter that's fascinating, and I believe this is another guy that may be at our book signing in uh, at First Canadian Place on Friday in Toronto is Christian Holmes. And Christian is, is now an aspiring journalism student at Humber College. He's from Fergus, uh, from, is he from Fergus? Yeah, Fergus. I was going to say Alora, but I think it's Fergus, Ontario. And Christian was born blind and deaf. And um, his story is one of the most remarkable in everyday hockey heroes. And Christian is a, he's a ball of fire. Loves tight Omi. I think I've mentioned him on the Bobcast before. Um, but he, you know, being born blind and deaf and, and actual with some physical limitations that his mother was able to overcome by putting him on an unbelievable physiotherapy regi- regimen. Um, just a remarkable story on every level. Um, you know, they list these things being blind or deaf uh, or having these physical limitations. They, they're often called handicaps or disabilities. And then you read the chapter, first person story of Christian Holmes and what he's been through and the passion he has for the game of hockey. And you realize that there, these are no handicaps or shortcomings or disabilities at all, that um, um, the, the spirit of, of Christian Holmes of Simon Richard, of Wayne St. Dennis, um, turns, you know, the overcoming adversity is, is what it's all about with an incredible love for the game of hockey. So anyways, um, great, great to get your letters, your email, Simon. I wish you the best in, in what you're doing. Keep me posted and, and hopefully some good things will happen. And I don't know if my answer provides any help to you at all, but um, hopefully it does. Uh, one more book-related question, although not anything to do with my books or any books I've ever written. Uh, Dear Bob Father McKenzie, do you have any hockey books about coaching that you recommend, other than Hockey Confidential and Hockey Dad, of course? Apologies if you've covered this already in previous pods. Your dear friend, Ben. Well, Ben, the first one I would recommend is Behind the Bench by our good friend Craig Custance, who uh, interviewed a lot of uh, current day modern day some of the best coaches in the national hockey league did a chapter on each one of them reviewing a video reviewing things in their career and it's a fascinating insight to what it's like to be behind the bench of an nhl team um i don't know if you're looking for drill books per se um but some of that has stood the test of time i think even though the game's changed so much um dave chambers has a whole series dave chambers 
coached junior hockey. I believe he coached professionally, coached in Europe, uh, York University for the longest time. Real good man, Dave Chambers. He's got a book called Hockey Plays and Strategies, the Hockey Drill Book. Um, uh, those are very good. Um, there's one book called The Hockey Coaching Bible by a friend of the Bobcast, Joe Britannia, who was involved for many years in college hockey in the United States. It gets a lot of very positive reviews. The Hockey Coaches Bible, Hockey Coaching Bible. Our good friend, Mike Smith, the former National Hockey League general manager, um, uh, had the hockey, um, uh, the hockey playbook, uh, lots of drills and uh, such that will stand up over the test of time. Here's one for you, and I think a lot of people in hockey should look at this one. Go look for the Hockey Handbook by Lloyd Percival. It was written in 1951. Think about that for a minute. 1951, Lloyd Percival. It became the handbook for how the Russians, the Soviets, actually put together their entire hockey program. Lloyd Percival was one of the greatest innovators in, in sport in Canada, hockey to, in, included. Um, but he was often ignored um, and kind of mocked in Canada. Um, but there are still a lot of people who believe the hockey handbook still holds up very well um, more than 60, 70 years later. Uh, there's another great book, actually, about Lloyd Percival. It's called Lloyd Percival, Coach and Visionary. Uh, it's written by Gary Mossman. I highly recommend it as well. Now, as for just coaching books in general, I mean, you can go any book by John Wooden. John Wooden, of course, was the great UCLA basketball coach. Um, he's written so many books on on coaching, the nuts and bolts of coaching. And even though it's basketball, I think John Wooden's stuff on coaching transcends his sport. Um, there's also a ton of books um, that are about other sports uh, and not about coaching per se, but if you were to read them, you'd be smarter um, because of it. The Cubs Way by Tom Verducci is a great book. Uh, War Room uh, by Mike, uh, I think it's Michael Hawley, which is all about uh, the New England Patriots. Um, there's a book right now out there, Belichick, out there. I haven't read it, but I'm told it's very, very good on Bill Belichick, obviously. Um, Bill Walsh, the great 49ers um, legendary NFL coach, wrote The Score Takes Care of Itself. And I know Kyle Dubas, amongst others in hockey, um, used that it, as their Bible. That's uh, all about the process. Uh, and then there's all sorts of great books out there that are not even sports books um, that a lot of people in professional sports uh, highly recommend. Fooled by Randomness, um, Thinking Fast and Slow, uh, good to great, um, and I would obviously throw in there the uh, Ego is the Enemy um, is a fantastic book. I highly recommend that as well, but uh, there's a, a selection of titles, Ben, that may help you become a better coach in hockey um, or just a better person in life. Next question comes from Ryan McIntosh, and this is a fascinating question. Um, hey, Bob, although this is unrealistic and will never happen, I often wonder what things would be like if a tier one elite player treated himself for what he is, an independent contractor. How would it play out if a top player continuously bet on himself year after year and only signed one-year deals? Would their AAV be that much higher since there's no long-term financial security, or would it be lower? Again, uh, I realize this will likely never happen, but always curious uh, about if someone were brave enough or confident enough to do this, that from Ryan McIntosh. Um, well, Ryan, um, 
I think you're right. The obvious, the, the obvious shortcomings to going one-year deals, well, keep in mind in hockey, you got your three-year entry-level deal. Then you can start signing one-year deals if you so desire. Um, so what if Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or one of these great players went strictly one-year deals? We'd obviously need to get an actuarial accountant um, to figure out the, the, the pluses and minuses of the dollars. But I think it's pretty obvious that for elite players like McDavid and Crosby, if you're signing a one-year deal, you're going to ask for max 20% of the cap. So whatever the cap is, 20%. Now, keep in mind, they were able to get, what, 16 17% of the cap on long-term deals that gives them financial security. So if they had a career-ending injury or suffered injuries that took them from being elite players to only above-average players, they would be fully protected. So maybe the, the risk factor isn't, um, isn't worth it. Um, but I did talk to a bunch of agents about this, and they said the risk factor is not as much as you would think that disability insurance is, is easy to get. Um, that there would be a concern, though, that you might suffer chronic injuries that would take you from an elite player to just an average player, and, and that's where your loss of value could come in. Um, loss of value insurance, of it, by the way, one agent told me, is available but as you would expect, it's crazy expensive. The other thing that was pointed out is that um, uh, by by some of these agents, and uh, what's what's obvious, is that um, a player like Crosby or McDavid going for max dollars on a one-year deal um, could really screw the team that um, you're negotiating with simply because of the cap implications that one of the benefits of getting a guy like Crosby or McDavid under contract for an eight-year term is that it allows you to surround those players with other really good players and allows them to play on Stanley Cup contenders. That's the theory in Edmonton anyways. Um, And that they might not otherwise be able to do that. So again, that's a conscious decision by the player to take less than what he's entitled to to the TBA, which is 20% of the cap. Um, and do it for, quote-unquote, all the right reasons. And hockey players traditionally are not guys. We saw John Tavares move, but historically, when players that have been in an organization for seven or eight years get the opportunity to actually leave, more often than not, they choose to stay. Um, They don't have the LeBron James mentality. And one of the agents I talked to said, maybe it's going to change. Maybe the millennials that are coming up now, and keep in mind, when you look at the restricted free agents coming up, um, for renewal at the end of this season. So you've got Mitch Marner, you've got Austin Matthews, you've got Patrick Liney, you've got Kyle Connor, you've got Sebastian Ajo in Carolina, uh, you've got Charlie McAvoy in Boston, you've got Zach Wierenski in Columbus. Um, I'm probably forgetting some off the top of my head, but um, wouldn't it be something if, if some of these young guys decided, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not doing the... I'm not doing the, I'll take the discount necessary to fit in. I want market value. And some are arguing that's what William Nylander is doing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So anyways, um, it's a fascinating question. I don't know that we'll necessarily see it anytime soon with the elite of the elite. But, um, you know, the young players coming up today, some of them are going to be wired differently. And they may think in the less conventional hockey sense. And they may be much more open to the idea of moving, although you don't get to play the move game under the current CBA, 
until you've played seven full seasons in the National Hockey League or you reach age 27. Draft-related question up next. Uh, This one from Ben from Langley, British Columbia. Hey, Bob, I'm a fairly new listener. I've really enjoyed the podcast so far. When you look back at the 2015 draft, it seems like the first round was stacked. Where do you think 2015 ranks for best draft ever? If you were to redraft the top 10 today, who would you take and in what order? I love draft questions. Ben, near and dear to my heart. Okay, so let's see here. When you look back at the 2015 draft, seems like the first round was stacked. Yes, it was. Where do you think 15 ranks for best draft effort? So hold on here. Let's look at that 2015 draft. I'll do a little roll call. Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Dylan Strome, Mitch Marner, Noah Hannafin, Pavel Zaka, Ivan Provorov, Zach Wierenski, Timo Meyer, Miko Rantanen, Lawson Krauss, Denis Gurianov, Jacob Zaborl, Jake DeBrus, Zachary Senes, Zach Senishin, Matthew Barzell, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, Evgeny, easy for me to say, Evgeny Svechnikov, Joel Eriksson, Colin White, Ilya Samsonov, Brock Besser, Travis Konechny, Jack Roslevic, Noah Juleson, Jacob Larson, Anthony Beauvillier, Gabriel Carlson, and Nick Merkley. Wow, that is a pretty spectacular draft. Now, when you start talking about the best drafts of all time, you're automatically going to gravitate towards two in particular. One was the 1979 NHL entry draft, was the very first NHL entry draft as we know it. And one of the reasons why this was such a good entry draft um, is because it, if I remember correctly, correctly, it was a double class. Because when they went from the so-called amateur draft, where they were bringing in 19 and 20-year-olds as part of the draft, this was the first year they could take 18 and 19-year-olds. So there was a double draft class. So let's quickly do roll call on 79. Uh, Rob Ramage, Perry Turnbull, Mike Felino, Mike Gartner, Rick Vive, Craig Hartsburg, Keith Brown, Ray Bork, Lori Boschman, Tom McCarthy, Mike Ramsey, Paul Reinhardt, Doug Solomon, Brian Propp, Brad McCrimmon, may he rest in peace, Jay Wells, Dwayne Sutter, Ray Allison, Jimmy Mann, Michelle Goulet, and Kevin Lowe. Remember, 21 teams back then, Kevin Lowe, not a Hall of Famer, although often played like one. Michelle Goulet, definitely a Hall of Famer. That was, for for the longest time, that was considered the best draft in NHL history. And then came along the 1985 birth year and the 2003 NHL draft. Quick roll call on that one. Marc-Andre Fleury, Eric Stahl, Nathan Horton, Nikolai Zherdev, Thomas Vanek, Milan McCulloch, Ryan Suter, Braden Coburn, Dion Phaneuf, Andre Konstitsin. That was the top 10. Now buckle up for the rest of this draft because it gets pretty spectacular. Jeff Carter, Hugh Jessamine, well, maybe not. Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook, Robert Nilsson, Steve Bernier, Zach Parise, Eric Fair, Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns, Mark Stewart, Mark Antoine Pouliot, Ryan Kessler, Mike Richards, Anthony Stewart, Brian Boyle, Jeff Tambellini, Corey Perry, Patrick Eves, and Sean Bell. So I I don't know if the 2015 draft is going to turn out to be better than, than 79 or 2003, but I'll tell you what. It's it's got a chance. You're saying there's a chance. Boy, ranting it at ten. Colorado Avalanche are loving that pick. Thomas Shabbat at eighteen. Ottawa's loving that pick. Winnipeg at seventeen. Kyle Connor. Uh, Jets are loving that pick. Matthew Barzell. The Islanders at sixteen. The Islanders are loving that pick. The Oilers not so much. Brock Bester at twenty-three to Vancouver. Wow. Okay, so you asked for a redraft at the top ten. I'm no good at that stuff, 
But when I'm no good at something, I find somebody who is. So I went to everybody's favorite curmudgeon, my dear friend, Ray Ferraro. And um, I, uh, I asked him if he wanted to do the redraft of the top 10. So he did, and then he sent me the email, and he said, I didn't read this close enough. I just redid the whole round, damn it. But he only sent me the top 10. Anyways, here goes. So this is Ray Ferraro's redraft of the 2015 draft top 10. So, number one, Connor McDavid. Number two, Jack Eichel. Number three, Mitch Marner. Number four, Miko Rantanen. Number five, Matthew Barzell. Number six, Thomas Shabbat. Number seven, Ivan Provorov, number eight, Connor Mc, uh, sorry, Kyle Connor, number nine, Zach Wierenski. Wait a second. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ray only gave me nine names on the ten-person redraft. Damn it! I just noticed that now. So who would he pick at ten? Let's see here. Um, Jake DeBrusque would be a good pick. Um, uh, Brock Besser would be a good pick. I'm going to, I'm going to say that Ray would probably go with Besser at 10, but I don't know that. Anyways, if you want to hit Ray up, uh, on Twitter, he loves getting tweets from his fans, right? Chum. Anyways, um, and maybe on Ray's uh, great podcast on the, uh, wait a second here. Wait a second. I almost called it Pulp Fiction, but it's the Pulp Hockey Show, the Pulp Hockey Podcast. It's outstanding. So um, maybe you can hit Ray up on the Pulp Hockey Podcast or his Twitter account and um, ask him about his selections. Uh, just a review. McDavid, Eichel, Marner, Rantanen, Barzell, Shabbat, Provorov, Connor, Wierenski. And the mystery number 10 that I'm going to say is Brock Besser. <sighs> there we go. Okay, you know what? As much as I'd like to do many more questions, um, we're running out of time here. It has been a crazy day. Um, what you don't know from the podcast, um, because my uh, producer, Mark Mullen, does things so seamlessly, is that we've had to stop it 27,000 times today to chase down the latest William Nylander <laughs> trade rumors. I mentioned off the top that uh, there's been all this buzz and excitement, and I don't know how many times I've... Uh, chased down and refuted the fact that there's a 5 p.m. Eastern news conference today for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, as I said earlier, here are the, the, this will be the final comment of the podcast on Nylander. Um, I don't think anything's imminent um, in the sense of something happening in the next minutes or hours. But as I said off the top, that changes with one phone call. I'd be really surprised if that were to happen. I still think we're into the soup here for another day or two or three or maybe even another full week. Um, and what I do think is this. If it's going to get done, I think it's going to get done one of two ways. It's either going to be a three-year deal at a shade over $5 million a year, um, or it's going to be a six-year deal at a shade under $7 million a year or right at $7 million a year and the Leafs get the benefit of some funky cap calculations because Nylander didn't play the first two months of the season. Um, and maybe it doesn't get done at all. I don't know. Um, stay tuned. I will have all the latest on my Twitter account at TSN Bob McKenzie. We'll have all the latest on insider trading and TSN.ca. 
And I got to go and uh, get ready for this uh, Toronto Maple Leaf Columbus Blue Jacket game where, no doubt, probably going to get to talk some more about William Nylander. Such is my life. Everybody's got a cross to bear. Mine is that and uh, tweeting out about Canadian Thanksgiving. Hey, listen, have a great one. Uh, We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Uh, All the best to you and yours. Take care and remember Thanksgiving is every day. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's at TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.